You're listening to Second Breaks, the show where we talk about feeling better, doing better, and being better in midlife and beyond. I'm Lou Blazer. get into December, many of us are beginning to think about the year that's about to end, and maybe we're starting to prepare for some kind of a year-end review. I have always sat down sometime in December to do a year-end review process. I think this is a habit that I learned way back when I was still in corporate America. PricewaterhouseCoopers, uh, PwC had a structured process for this, and we were all required to follow it. And I was with PwC for many, many years. So uh, that's a good chunk of my professional life. So I think just doing a year in review sort of just kind of became part of my DNA. And so even though I've left corporate now for some years, I still do a formal sort of sit down review kind of a thing. Um, But it's not as structured as I, you know, I was doing it when I was at PwC. And obviously, I've changed some, some of the steps, some of the questions that I ask myself, some of the measures or the things that I measure, right. And in the last uh, couple years or so, there were some new principles or guiding thoughts that have influenced my review process. And I wanted to share some of those with you today because they're not your usual kind of typical questions that you hear about. At least I don't think so. And so I, I wanted to share these more sort of atypical sort of questions with you to see whether you m- might want to consider these areas as well for your own review or something similar. The first thing that I want to talk about came from the best-selling author, Joanna Penn, who is one of my role models and a two-time guest of the podcast. She has said many years ago that she measures her life by what she creates. And that idea has really resonated with me, especially after I've stepped away from corporate and I've began to really lean into my creative projects. This podcast is certainly one of the things that I create these days, and it's a labor of love for me. I mean, I don't earn anything from this podcast, monetarily speaking, and it takes up a chunk of my time, and yet I haven't wanted to give it up. In fact, I continue to think about how I can improve the show. I continue to invest time and effort to get better at it as a podcaster and as a publisher. So clearly, this particular creation provides me value that is not monetary. For most of the year when the podcast is in season, my focus is on the value that each episode delivers to the listeners. But during this time of the year, as I'm preparing for the podcast to go on its brief holiday break, I also like to review what the podcast, what the show, what the complement of episodes delivered for me. (laughs) What have these episodes meant for me as the host and the publisher? 
And I want to make sure that I recognize that. Oh, <laughs> and yes, I realize that I haven't actually said it, but the podcast is indeed going on its usual holiday break, and this will actually be the last full episode of 2022. But I digress. I was talking about how my yearly year-end review process uh, has changed over the years, and I was talking about the first principle, which is that I measure my life by what I create, um, adopting what Joanna has said, Joanna Penn has said. So uh, what have I created this year is basically one of the questions I ask myself during during my yearly review. And so for you, I would say that if you're a creative or a creator, which is a word that it's so in vogue these days, in whatever line of work that you're in. You don't have to be self-employed to be a creator. You could be a creator within a company, you know, if you're employed. You might want to reflect on what you have created this year and what have those creations meant for you. I think so many times, especially when you're part of a company, you know, we, we think of the things that we do, our creations, um, our, our outputs in the context of you know, the clients, the team, the company, like the value that it provides the company, the value it provides to the customers. But I would challenge you or uh, encourage you to think about what you've learned from doing them. What, how have you grown? What have these creations meant for you this year? So what have you created? What have you learned from doing them? How have you grown? The second principle that has influenced my yearly review process is this idea that everyone we meet has something to teach us. I remember many years ago, one of my bosses told me that her goal whenever she attended speeches was to walk away with at least one thought or one idea or one nugget out of that speech. She said that she always was able to learn something from every speech, no matter how boring it might have been. Since I've heard her say that, I have adopted that goal myself. And now I agree that there is always something to be learned, even if it's simply like what not to do (laughs) at the very least. This principle or belief became even more relevant for me when I started this podcast. I approach every single interview and conversation with this idea in mind. And as I edit and produce the episode, I always jot down my takeaways. And sometimes my takeaways, they make it to the show, sometimes not. But I've got a notebook full of takeaways from these episodes. And in fact, as a segue, I am actually thinking of ways to share those takeaways with you. Perhaps I'll just add them to the end of the episode. We'll see. But my point is that there always are takeaways from every conversation, from every encounter, if we just open ourselves and our minds. And so one of the things that I do during my yearly review process is ask myself, what are my takeaways from my encounters from the people I met this year? And later in this episode, I wanted to share some highlights from this year's episode that struck a chord for me. These are short quips pulled from my conversations with various guests this year. And in the show notes, I'm going to link to the specific episodes where they came from 
So, you know, it'll be easy for you to kind of listen to the full source episodes if you're uh, interested. Hey, hey, we're going to get back to the show just now. I just want to mention quickly that this podcast is made possible by Midlife Cues. Now, Midlife Cues is a weekly digital newsletter for midlifers or anybody who self-identifies as a midlifer, really. And it's about intentional living and being our best in the second half of our lives. I invite you to give it a try. Head on over to midlifecues.com. That's midlifecues, one word, dot com to sign up. Okie dokie. All right, let's get back to the show. The last principle that I wanted to share with you today that's influencing my year-end review process is something that I heard recently from Tara McMullen, who is the host of the What Works podcast. And I'm going to link to the specific episode where she talked about this in the show notes as well. But it's this idea that her being a podcaster and a publisher is a practice. These are not arbitrary titles that she gave herself. These words which she has chosen to identify herself with tell the world what she is and the practice that she chooses to engage with every day, every week. And her explanation resonated with me deeply. It started back in 2021, I think I started to call myself a writer and a podcaster as well. By this, I mean that if you look in my LinkedIn profile or wherever else, actually, or however else I'm asked to introduce myself, I say that I'm a writer, a podcaster, and a publisher because these words, more than anything else, truly describe what I do today. But, and here's the thing, they also describe the person that I am today. The daily work required to be a writer, a podcaster, and a publisher has shaped my habits, my routines, how I engage with the world, and therefore, who I am as a person. I know it's kind of weird to think about our work this way. I certainly never thought of my career that way in the past. But if you think about it, the thing that you do every day must write itself in your DNA somehow, if not permanently, then for the time being that while you're actively doing that work, what you do every day or most days must impact who and what you are naturally, right? So this podcast is my work. It is my practice. It is my regular commitment to the habits that shape the person that I am today. Perhaps this is why, you know, tying this back to my point earlier, I'm not willing to give this up yet. Uh, My podcast, the podcast, but, you know, I don't know, maybe it'll change someday, but not right now. And so for my yearly review, I asked myself, what have I learned or gained from the practice of my work this year? From the practice of podcasting, from the practice of writing, from the practice of publishing my work. And so for you, I might suggest think about your work as a practice and consider what doing that work, practicing that work this year have taught you or allowed you to be.
so in summary, these are the three sort of newer type of questions that I ask myself as part of my yearly review. Number one, what have I created this year? Number two, what have I learned or what am I taking away from the people who I have encountered this year? And number three, what have I learned or gained from the practice of my work this year? Um, these are not the only questions I asked during my year-end review, of course, but I thought those are some of the more, shall we say, uh, unusual, <laughs> in inverted commas, questions. So I wanted to share those with you. They are also the ones that are most relevant to the podcast. And so I wanted to share those with you also because obviously you're part of this project. You're my dear listener. Uh, but also... A lot of my listeners happen to also be podcasters. So if you, my dear listener friend, happen to be a podcaster too, perhaps you can consider those questions as well. All right. So as I mentioned, the podcast will go on a brief holiday break and will return in 2023. But before I go, here's a compilation of short guest quips or thoughts that have made their way to my notebook of takeaways. Maybe you'll find something here for you to take away as well. Again, check the show notes for the link to their full source episodes. What an attachment is, is the belief that without this thing or this person or this somebody behaving in a certain way or some outcome that you have in relation to a goal you have, that you can't be happy. Um, and as some point today, I invite all your listeners to, to write at the top of a piece of paper the phrase, I cannot be happy or unless until make the list. And people will be surprised how fast they make a list. I cannot be happy until I'm out of debt. I cannot be happy until my boss appreciates me. I cannot be happy until my wife agrees that she's been wrong and I'm right. I cannot be happy until there's more money in the bank goes on and on and on and on and it, it ends up that we never experience happiness because there's always some unless or until that we're imposing on it so then when you if you sit back and then look at this list you consider that these thoughts these beliefs they're blocking the natural state of happiness that you're having it's not like you if if you change a condition in your life that you're going to be happy the condition already exists within you it's blocked by these attachments it's blocked by this false belief that you cannot be happy or at peace or fulfilled until or unless something out there happens and that belief has been programmed into you Oh, is it, is it too late for me now? But actually, the question you want to be asking yourself is, oh, is it too late for me now? But if I don't start addressing this now, what does it look like for me in 10 years, in 20 years? You know? What I get out of that, James, is that every bit helps. Like, even if you've been smoking all your life and today you stop smoking, even that bit would help 10, 15, 20 years it's, there's so much we can do, you know, even if you've, if you've like done, done no exercise, had a terrible diet, you know, you can start to turn that around, physiologically turn it around, you know, um, we know now that like the bulk of our neurotransmitters are actually made in the gut, which is why it's called the second brain, so um, if we've been eating a really bad diet, you know, we can have our emotions out of whack, like we have anxiety, depression, we can start to turn that all around, we can build our gut bio back up. We can, you know, like our body is an amazing thing. It can start to like detox its own self. We can start cleaning it up. We can start moving. We can add muscle mass, raise our metabolic rate. There's so much we can do 
you know, and wherever we're starting from, and that's the thing, like wherever your starting point is, it's just your starting point you can build from there. I mean, we're talking about it in terms of health, but actually, as I think about it, that the way to flip that question around applies to anything, right? If you say, well, my relationship with my kids have always been this way, it's too late to change. No, but what would be the cost if you don't change? How would it be like if you don't change it 15 years from now, 10 years from now, right? So it's almost like every every part of our life, if you're thinking of making a shift or a change and you're thinking, it's too late, it's been this way forever. If you just say, well, Imagine what would it be like if you don't change? What would it look like 10 years from now, 15 years from now? We absolutely experienced developmental milestones in throughout our entire lives. But for some reason, you know, the way it's charted or graphed in terms of our lifespan or time is, you know, you celebrate and you see all the developments of kids and then teens and then you know early 20s wow look at how you've grown and changed and you celebrate you know personal development as you called it and then some and into the 30s but then somehow late 30s early 40s call it wherever you want in there it's as though once we hit midlife life has stopped and all growth has stopped. And that's what society, I think, is telling all women, especially like not so much men, although I'm not taking away from what men experience, but with women, I truly believe we don't talk about it or even conceive of the idea that we're still growing, still emerging, which is one of my favorite words in midlife and as the example what about realizing we get to define ourselves on our own terms like you know and we we get there at different times we experience it differently but when you have that experience like it is almost a moment like wow we don't know to give value to some of these epiphanies or you know life-changing moments and developmental moments in our lives because nobody else told us they had value, right? To say to someone, well, just find your voice and speak up, if that person doesn't have the skills or the inventory of language to do that, sometimes it comes down to your inventory of language. Do you know how to phrase things? Do you have kind of a toolbox to do that? And 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 a lot of the times it, it's just very helpful to even practice saying things differently. For instance, when people contemplate having, having a difficult conversation, and I talk about this a lot, it's one of the most popular workshops that I do. And I have a free ebook on my site, by the way, which you'll have in your notes so people can download it. There's a couple of steps to having difficult conversations and that I teach. And one of them is do your own job. Stay in your lane. What I mean by that is we spend a lot of time anticipating how our words will land with the other person. A lot of time. And then we avoid it altogether because we're making up, you know, this scenario. It's not your job to predict how the other person will interpret your words. It's your job to present yourself and share your experience with compassion and with kindness and with respect. Once you do that, you've done your job. Don't do the other person's job. 
right? That's a, it's a, it sounds so simple, but it, it is a really difficult thing for people to grasp. Like, oh, and then they say, well, you know, I'm already anticipating that they're going to be upset. Okay, you're out of your lane. Stay in your lane. How are you going to say it so you ensure that it's delivered in a respectful and compassionate way? Let's work on that and then let it go. It's how I understand my role in anything that is happening, right? The tool I came up with is there's only one thing you can control in life. It's you. It's you. You can't control anything outside you because there's so many variables, right? Um, and when I say it's you, I'm talking about even your spouse or your kids or your friends. You can't. There's only a certain degree that you have influence over, but you can't control them. You can control yourself 100%. And so I look at it four ways. You can control your thoughts. You can control your emotions. You can control your energy and you can control your actions. Those are 100% under your control in any situation. And what I realized was in that situation, I let go of my emotions. I let go of my energy. My actions were not mine, right? And my thoughts were, again, miserable thoughts. All these things devastated, ruined. So essentially, I was creating more pain for myself. All right, that's a wrap for this episode and for this 2022 season, actually. Thank you for being here, for being my listener friend, for joining me in this wonderful midlife journey that we're on. I shall be back in 2023, God willing. In the meantime, have the best December, best holiday, best end of year season, my friend. Cool beans.